Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Queef. Thank you so much for joining me. If you are new to the show, I'm taking every single Metallica song. We're popping them in alphabetical order and we're going through episode by episode, song by song. I think this is going to take about three years or so. I think Metallica have about 150, 160 songs. The more I do this show, though, the more people get in touch with me uh, via email, which is metallicapod.gmail.com or on the Twitter or indeed just comment or whatever. And let me know of songs I don't know about, covers, b-sides, sort of demos that fans kind of consider songs and maybe deserve their own episodes so if you know about any of that stuff please get in touch with me that's metallicapod at gmail.com is normally the best so i'll be reading out a great email in a moment and if you want to come on the show like today's guest as well you want to do a song let me know you know the show is kind of building in terms of listenership so the early letters you know pretty much up to e and f were locked down but maybe there's a king nothing for example is uh you know one of those if you want to go a bit further in the reaches there let me know um we got our patreon as well patreon.com forward slash alpha metallica which basically you can support the show you can give back to the show the main thing you get there is access to my kind of special episodes that i do you know i did an episode with my good friend dave recently reviewing the the, the moscow concert um me and nick did our mission to last thing i've got an episode that'll probably be out by the time this comes out on the main channel of myself doing a solo history of napster so if you want to support us there it's the best way to support us um subscribe on itunes leave us a review all that good stuff you know you've heard this from a lot of podcasters before but um yeah just before we get to today's guest as well as i mentioned I've got a great email that um, was sent to me, metallicapod at gmail.com. And yeah, it comes from Bruno. I'm just going to get straight into this. Thank you so much for sending this, Bruno. He begins, hello, Tom. This is Bruno Acosta from Asuncion, Paraguay. He helpfully, helpfully adds South American brackets there. I only started listening to Alpha Metallica today, but I couldn't resist the writing already. I'm only five shows in, but I'm loving it. I think the idea is great, and for big-time Metallica fans like myself, it's a pleasure to talk and hear people talk about this stuff. I also think the format of the show is great, since it's bound to have a long-running course. As soon as I heard the pitch on the first episode, I thought, this guy should have Andre Veselenko, and lo and behold, he appeared soon after. Yeah, that was a great episode and all nightmare long. Shout out to Andre every time. I think if you continue doing this, you maybe even have a shot of getting the band members themselves on the show i see you already had ray burton on i can't wait to get to that show oh you're in for a treat that was a fantastic episode but a joy to have him on he continues anyway about myself i'm an avid metallic fan since around 16 i'm now 27 i do consider myself somewhat a very advanced student of their music i play guitar piano and drums and can play several metallica songs on guitar and drums i'm not a singer but can do a fairly good hetfield singing impression i i think most fans can to a certain extent definitely the year at least and uh, he basically concludes if there's any way in which i could help you i would love to i don't remember you mentioned the patreon account or something like that oh i should say that i sent him the patreon link after and he was kind enough to donate so you know thank you so much for that bruno and he concludes anyway i know a lot of people are probably requesting participation even though i'm sort of early to the party it's been only a couple of months since you started it seems i know it may be too late anyway great idea great topic and keep them going tom you have all my support best regards bruno and bruno thank you so much for that delightful email but um yeah as i say we are going through the songs here you know uh, number by number i'm very excited to get into today's song and i'm very excited to welcome my guest andy hall how's it going hey tom I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm, I'm very well. And I, I said to you just before we went on there, you're probably the best sounding guest I've ever had, um, <laughs> purely because you're coming from a very professional environment. You're, you're, you're like a, you're radio man. Is that right? Well, semi-professional at the very least. Let's not go too crazy, okay. Tom. Okay. But yeah, I've uh, been in the radio business for coming up on 20 years now. I work at a rock radio station in Des Moines, Iowa called Laser 103.3. See, that's what I love about America. Obviously, in the UK, we just have our radio stations that cover the entirety of the country. But, you know, I have fond memories of, of holidays when I was young. I remember there was a station in Orlando, WMMO. And I just kind of like, I think it was soft rock and roll that they played. And did Laser play Metallica or...? 
Oh, my gosh. I think one of the cornerstones of our uh, format in general is Metallica. But, yeah, this station actually became Metallica 103.3 earlier this year in honor of the band making an appearance here in Iowa in the month of June. That's crazy. That, that's crazy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's so great. That would that would never happen on our, on our BBC over here. But you know, different strokes. And um, Metallica as a whole, Andy, where, where does it start for you? Oh my gosh! Well, if you'll indulge me quickly, Please. I have a story about how I was introduced to the band. It was the logo that did it for me. So I can thank James Hetfield for the barbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was probably 1987, so probably right after Master of Puppets came out. And I'm at a playground across the street from my where I grew up at my parents' house. We had a school across the street and a playground there. So I'm just kind of you know messing around, and I noticed these two long-haired dudes walking across the playground one of them has a kind of a tattered jean jacket as was the uh, fashion back in 87 (laughs) and on the back of this uh out of his jacket was uh, the metallica logo and it stuck with me and for no more reason than the fact that as they were passing by he looked at me and he goes hey dude you want to smoke and i i don't know how old i was eight at eight years old at the time and i looked at him and i go uh uh, no, I'm cool, like trying to sound all cool, you right, know. Right, eight, right. And he looks at me and goes, All right, well, you don't want to be cool then. And he walks away. And I just like shook my head, like, You got to be kidding me right now. But what, again, what stuck with me, Tom, was the logo on the back of this mm-hmm. dude's jacket. And I, I, I asked a, an older cousin of mine who happened to have great taste in music, What's with this Metallica thing? And he goes, Oh my God, you've got to hear these guys. And he, so he popped on Master of Puppets for me. And that's where it all, all began. Eight years old to hear that as well. That is, uh, you know, what? Well, yeah, uh, wonderful. And uh, did it continue from there? Were you just tracing the band as you grew up? Or? Oh my gosh, yes. I've been a huge fan of Metallica ever since I first heard that Master of Puppets album. It began with Battery, it continues to this day. As a radio guy, I've had the uh, fortune of uh, running across the guys in Metallica oh. several times. I've interviewed everybody that's currently in the band, plus Jason Newstead. So, I mean, I'm, I got I to gotta be honest with you, though, Tom. I'm totally jealous. Uh, Ray Burton is a, a great find. I would, I would love to have him on my radio show, I'll tell you. Fleming Rasmussen, I mean, my goodness, you really, you've done, man, you should be in radio is what you should be. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, thank you. I mean, like, I appreciate what you're saying, but honestly, I just hit them up on Facebook. Like, I, w- I was inc- I was amazed myself, really, that, you know, they came on. And I want to urge as well, as I mean, Fleming, obviously, is open to all offers, but Ray as well, who might seem a little bit more inobtainable. Like, you know, the, the guy has stories for days, really, and it was, you know, it, it, was, it was a joy to have him on. And, I mean, you know, you met the guys Metallica then. I mean, what, just through the radio, just through, like, you know, the that, that kind of occupation or? Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, every time they come to town, they're nice enough to do meet and greets, not only with their fan club, but they also reach out to the radio station because we've got a longstanding relationship with both the band and, of course, their management at Q Prime. So everybody's really cool doing promotions with us, uh, letting our listeners get back and meet them. And, of course, I get to tag along. So that's the perk for me. But, uh, yeah, I'm an interview guy, Tom. I've interviewed pretty much everybody. And like I said, everybody that's currently in Metallica, plus Jason Newstead a couple of times. And this is going back, like I said, almost 20 years now. So I got a pretty long-standing relationship with the Metallica camp. You know, the song today is a song, you know, it, it's kind of funny really with this show because a lot of times songs come along, like, I, I was just kind of bitching the other day about Carpe Diem Baby on Twitter, <laughs> and I think that's a song I'm doing after this, and I've been listening to it making my notes, and I said it's probably the worst Metallica song ever. I, I was being a little blasé, but you know, there's certain songs that come along, such as this song, The Call of Cthulhu, that I, re- you know, I really couldn't wait to get into. I mean, do, do you remember your first, so, so, so you listen to Puppets, I'm guessing you must have listened to Ride the Lightning at the same time kind of thing. 
Yeah, so as soon, as soon as I got my hands on Master of Puppets for myself, I had then, of course, dug back into the archive, found Ride the Lightning next, and then Kill Em All. That's kind of how it worked out for me. So, I mean, obviously, you pop in Ride the Lightning, you start with track one and fight fire with fire, and they wrap up with the opus that is The Call of Cthulhu, and it remains one of my favorite Metallica songs of all time. I'm thrilled to be here talking about this tune. Yeah, yeah, and I was, um, I was doing a bit of research on the song, actually, and um, I, I was aware that Dave stain you know was involved with the writing of this song it's kind of it's disputed what kind of uh you know what is footing isn't it i don't know if you're aware of hangar 18 uh by megadeth oh yes of course i'm a huge megadeth yeah fan. yeah a lot of people draw major comparisons between these two songs especially a lot of people say dave wrote the intro and you can kind of hear that in in certain elements of that song but i wasn't aware that the song was originally called when hell freezes over when hell freezes over but then a portion of it as well used to be called when the hills ran red now this is a going back to an interview that i did with kirk hammett probably 10 or 11 years ago and we were talking about the instrumentals because at the time death magnetic had just came out and suicide and redemption was sort of a return to form as far as instrumentals on a metallica album go so i asked him about it and kirk's he's one of these guys tom that's so forthcoming and he digs back into his brain and pulls out these cool tidbits of information that i don't think anybody was aware of beforehand so i was fortunate enough to have this bit of knowledge uh you know unveiled to me on a kirk hammond interview that the hills ran red was something that dave mustaine was working on with cliff burton part of it became the call of cthulhu and part of it became a song called leper messiah which you heard on master puppets oh interesting okay yeah as to uh, the hills ran red that portion there's a huge dispute between the Metallica and the Megadeth camp as to who actually wrote that Dave claims it's all his Metallica well they'll dispute it but uh, I don't know the answer to that question but I can tell you that that was at least a portion of what became the Call of Cthulhu I I don't know how many people can say it's about Metallica but this song in particular pretty much changed my life literary wise um, forever like I was always I I never knew what the title meant because you know I got into the band as a young teenager you know I I didn't know who Cthulhu was it it didn't mean anything to me and I remember I was maybe about 16, 17 and like like most 16, 17 year olds like had my mind blown by Edgar Allan Poe like I sort of got into it and I was just like oh my god I can't believe this is so old and so subversive and crazy and I remember on Amazon actually it was like things you might like and it was like uh, H.P. Lovecraft The Call of Cthulhu and I was like hang on they're spelling Cthulhu wrong, like, you know, it's, it's got a K in it, not a C, and, you know, kind of explored that kind of mythos, and, you know, instrumentals can work on their own way, can't they? Oh, the, the quality of this song's fantastic, but I can't help, especially when I hear Cliff Burton's kind of nautical bass garbles throughout, to think of, like, this ancient beast below the water, you know? Yeah, you pretty much stole my thunder there. As far as Cliff's contribution to the song, I, I you know, before that, I had certainly never heard heard a bass sound like that before and i think going back then to kill them all and hearing anesthesia pulling teeth gave me a little bit of context as to who cliff burton really was and and what a talent what an amazing talent he was but yeah you're right about the the certain like just like random bass sounds that are very creature like and and you were talking about literary devices here just a bit ago i mean prior to knowing metallica i didn't know who hemingway or poe or lovecraft But I certainly was motivated to look into it at that point. So I think I kind of became a bit of a reader thanks to Metallica, funny yeah, enough. Yeah, that, that's true, actually. Yeah, because obviously For Whom the Bell Tolls is Hemingway. And again, I think I read that book because of the song. So they're referencing Hemingway, they're referencing Lovecraft. You know, they have yeah. all these kind of... And Lovecraft is something that comes up again and again in Metallica. The Thing That Should Not Be from Master of Puppets and also All Nightmare Long. I forget the name, though. It's, all Nightmare Long is based on like these nightmare dogs that kind of enter your dreams or something. And so, you know, 
they they have they have they have all these references. But I mean, let's um let's stick into the song as a whole. Um, because you know one of the markers of these early Metallica records are these incredible instrumentals. Like you know if if I'm if I'm forced, I probably say I like Orion a little bit more than Call of Cthulhu. But I, that's not to say this isn't a masterpiece. And I I, I love the intro, Andy. The the whistling kind of gentle wind and that guitar arpeggio just coming in slow. So growing up in the upper Midwest here in the United States, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is even further north than Des Moines, Iowa. So we get pretty cold in the wintertime. That sound is so reminiscent of so many winter nights <laughs> laying in bed at night and hearing that wind whistle up against the windows. So that's sort of what the memory it conjures up for me. Uh, the other memory it conjures up for me is when I was very young and I owned a Walkman. This is how old I am, Tom. So I'm listening to my Walkman and I have Ride the Lightning in and Call of Cthulhu comes on and we're we're driving somewhere with the family with my mom dad and my siblings and there's this really massive gnarly looking storm coming right at us and the intro to call of cthulhu as this storm front is approaching i i it's a very vivid memory for me and then like all hell breaks loose basically i, I don't know i mean for me i i think i was probably nine or ten years old at the time but that that is a that's as vivid a memory as I have at that age. Mm-hmm. Very Lovecraftian, actually, uh, what, right. what, what, what you're conjuring there. And so the song, it, it begins with, you know, a lot of people will point to Hangar 18, as we say, of being this part, Mustaine's part, whatever. But for me, it's the very simplistic nature. It's that bass, it's that dung, dung, dung. Like, you know, there's not, that, that's very simple. That's three notes, but it really kind of gives a certain sense of heft, a certain sense of weight to it. And I love the fact that it takes us 90 seconds to get to the heavy part of the song. Yeah, the build up and that's you know something that is a hallmark of early metallica in particular uh, something i talked to lars ulrich about years ago was how they lead off albums it's always this really slow build in the 80s and then it just like hit them hit the lights is a great example and then fight fire with fire on ride the lightning and then of yep. course battery has the same basic idea but like with call of cthulhu that rhythm part in the beginning after hearing the whistle of that wind i mean kind of game of thrones ish if you think yeah. about it now but uh, you know, Lovecraft, sure. But yeah, if you want to be more current about mm-hmm. your pop culture, I guess it would be Game of Thrones. But yeah. anyway, that's for me. I mean, it's that first. It's that rhythm guitar, and then it, everybody else starts to come in sort of slowly, and mm-hmm. then it just, like I said, all hell breaks loose. That's what that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, completely. And you know, um, listening with headphones as well the other day, I noticed, I guess, horns or something like that can be heard in the background as well. Like maybe that's the Burton influence. Maybe it's just the band as a whole, Fleming. I don't know. But you know, it's not just a kind of it's not a song without words like it's a very well crafted instrumental you know it's very well put together and kind of when we get into that main riff as well i guess you could argue that's kind of where the center point is i love how the two guitars behave so you have the sort of the main power chords kind of drumming it down there and then you have kind of the spine of the song the sort of the arpeggios that we've heard before the kind of on top of it just giving it this really weight this real weight to it and then it kind of comes back to the build and it just you know the song's eight minutes uh you know almost nine minutes it's eight minutes 53 seconds but like i i don't think it ever gets boring for me it definitely has a journey to it yeah and you know what's great is as a guitar guy i'm a guitar guy tom uh and i love the you know what both james and kirk bring to the table um and in this song in particular everybody sort of gets their moment uh if you notice i mean uh, james with the very percussive heavy uh chunk 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 Mm. you know that's james and then kirk with this like off the rails you feel like he's gonna like he's a train going (laughs) way 
fast for the track, yeah. and he's going to fly off the damn track at any time. And that's sort of what the solo feels like oh, in the middle. Yeah, yeah, the solo, the sense of release. Like, you know, I, I, I've been a critic of Kirk, and I will continue to be a critic of Kirk for Alpha Talib, but I am a huge fan of him. I, I want to reinforce that. The guy can really get a certain sense of catharsis through his notes, like few of the guitar players. And when, because, I mean, it's classic Kirk as well. We see this in Orion, where he'll just kind of do a sort of melody line, so that kind of, that, that building riff that, that, that kind of, you know, takes part in the end of the song as well, him building over it. But when he gets to that main bend, that now, 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 you know, it, it just, it, it's such a chaos, isn't there, about this song that's so glorious? Very much so, very much so. And then it all just kind of like comes back together again. And there's that little simple breakdown like you hear in the intro of the song. And then they all come together again, with this big explosion, almost orchestral at the mm. very end, which I am absolutely in love with the end of this song. I, yeah, I completely agree. The, the end of this song has something very... I don't know, almost classic metal about it. Something quite yes. s- symphonic, almost like you know, something something very arch there. But yeah, and and, and uh, just just to get quickly back to the solo, because obviously I can't I can't stop praising Kirk enough. I- I'm sure most people know what I'm talking about. There's a lick in here, quite a dissonant lick. Like it just kind of repeats that thing, and it's slightly the the, the note choice is slightly odd, but it, it just it just conjures this sense of release there that I that I think is absolutely you know fantastic. And yeah, it it that end as well. Like one of the things that i like is when we get the dun 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 you can finally hear because there's so many layers to this song and only if you're listening do you really hear cliff even though he's doing genius stuff but i just like in in the best possible way it's like what the hell is he doing like there's this crazy song and he's just making these weird noise like they work but i just love that like the vision that he has yeah, and listen, I mean, like like you said, it conjures up so many different images, but the, the one is, of course, of the beast, and mm. you're right. It's strange about this song. It, like, you don't visit this idea until Justice when they completely mix Jason out of the mix, but you yeah. really don't hear any cliff at all for the vast majority of this song. But the things he throws in there, yeah. again, at the time, listening as an eight- or nine-year-old as <laughs> I was, I had no idea that was a bass guitar back then. Yeah. I, you know... When I come to find these things out, mind blown, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, I've seen, I was reading some reviews of this song, and and someone said, like, oh, Cliff's doing, like, a solo over the whole song and stuff, and I, I don't quite agree with that just because you can't necessarily, you just can't necessarily hear him, but you can kind of hear, like, you know, these kind of subnautical bubbles that he's doing underneath the song, and, it, you know, it, the song being called Call of Cthulhu, I think, just kind of reinforces his sense with it, but, yeah, I, I, I agree. It is the detail as well, and it's just kind of like, I think it's testament to this song, and one of the things that I love about Metallica's music, like it's not, you know, it's not that old, really. The, these songs are maybe thirty or so years old, but this this is timeless to me. Like you know, from nineteen eighty three to two thousand and seventeen, like it's not lost an inch. It's so powerful, so emotive and affecting. Yeah, I think I think the only thing that maybe sounds a little bit dated, and this is just technology being technology, but the way that Fleming recorded and mixed the album, it's got an airy quality to it, if yeah. you know what I'm saying. And maybe that's a little dated where you could go, okay, this is a recording from the 1980s. But again, just a byproduct of work technology was at the time. Maybe it was Sweet Silent Studios and what they had going on there, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, environmentally. I don't know, but uh, that's maybe the only thing if I'm going to knock the production at all, and I don't, because I, I pr- preserve this thing for the rest of time. Yeah. Absolutely. 
But I think if there's one, the music itself, you're absolutely correct, 100%. Mm -hmm. This thing is an absolute epic. It's a classic, (laughs) and it'll be cherished for generations to come. Yeah, yeah. It's it's insatiable, really. And, you know, as as a fan as well, as, you know, as someone who appreciates the history of Metallica, it's quite incredible that this song is coming, I think, just about a year after Kill 'em All. It's like, what a transformation. Yeah, one of the things that I talked to uh, or asked James about specifically when I did a, I, I don't know if you're aware, I did a uh, special, yeah. uh, it's a 10-year deal, It looks at, or 10-album deal, where it looks at everything from Kill 'Em All all the way to current day and Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Now, I was instructed by management to construct questions for specific members, don't ask like the easy, stupid questions, mm-hmm. challenge these guys, challenge them with the questions. So I was asking them all these questions uh, and, and asking them to put themselves back in in the case of Ride of Lightning, to 1984 and where their heads were at in terms of, you know, where uh, where they were and, and where their headspace was. For James, he specifically points out that that leap between 1983 and 1984 was massive. Mm. I mean, when you look at the scope of Metallica and their growth, the early days obviously are going to be, you're going to see the most growth there. But, I mean, between 83 and 84, I mean, those songs, in James' words, back in 83, were songs about headbanging and breaking stuff, essentially. And then, you know, they come along comes 1984, and they've broadened their scope a bit. They've seen some places, some things, met some new people. I mean, broaden their horizons, Tom, and that, you know, out comes something like Ride the Lightning, which is, I mean, really night and day, considering where Kill 'Em All was and what it was. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. And at the risk of sounding like music critic cliche, it, you know, it's like a Beatles-level leap. It's like, you know, when you look at From Help to Rubber Soul to Revolver, that kind of 18 months or something, it is just, like, you know, baffling. But, they, you know, these guys are genius. Like, you know, they just needed this opportunity, really, and they just, they just growed with it. And, you know, Call of Cthulhu, it's interesting. Um, you know, it remains a song in their repertoire. Um, they've performed it 82 times live. The first time they performed it was August 28th, 1983 in um, uh, La Crucius um, in, in the US there. And they last performed it February 9th, 2017. So this year they performed it in Copenhagen, Copenhagen Denmark. But um, Andy Fed say the most famous version is probably the S&M version. Yes, and I'm glad you brought S&M up because, uh, I mean, I am such a fan of what they did the san francisco symphony i mean i'm a metalhead i'm a rock guy tom but uh, you know when you get to hear your favorite band collaborating on a level with musicians that have no idea going into it how this is going to come out i mean everybody i think even metallica were a bit kind of apprehension about or you know they had a little bit of apprehension about this but uh, the way it all turned out i especially Call of Cthulhu, which I believe leads off the entire performance, um, is nothing short of breathtaking. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, no, me too, me too, exactly. I mean, the the beauty of S&M is that it worked. It was a huge gamble, and it, you know, it paid off massively. I believe, I'm just checking this right now, but I believe they won a Grammy, or at least nominated for a Grammy, um, for that uh, S&M performance as well. I'm sure someone can correct us in the comments there. But, yeah, it, it, wonderful, wonderful. Um, and, you know, I think it brought out the, the best of the orchestra as well. Like, a lot of S&M, sometimes it's kind of like, there's not too much for them to do, like, on, on certain songs. It, it doesn't mean it's not great to hear the backing but i think in cthulhu you hear michael Kamen really letting his imagination run wild with the soundscapes and they deliver so much against the backdrop don't they 
Yeah, you won't hear an orchestra play any root notes whatsoever in a song. <laughs> they are adding complete atmosphere, and they are adding things that Metallica would never have dreamed of. So, I mean, to be able to hear that, Metallica playing their notes, playing the root notes, and then the orchestra adding what they added to it. Again, that's why S&M, such a cherished uh, collection of, of, of music for me personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, entirely, entirely. And yeah, I mean... Cthulhu, it's been a joy uh, really listening to this song over the past week, making my notes, and you know, there's certain moments in the song that still have my hair standing on end, like, you know, I have about a 20 minute walk to work or whatever, and I tend to listen to the song once or twice, and I've never got bored of it, like, you know, there's, there's certain songs that we listen to where I just feel like, oh, I don't want to listen to bloody Attitude again, you know what I mean? But th- this, I'm just like, oh god, I'm going to keep listening to this forever, I mean, wh- where does this rank out of interest for you, Andy, in the sort of pantheon of Metallica instrumentals? Boy, that's a tough question. I I think I'm with you that Orion, it doesn't really get any better than that. Mm. Uh, um, I think a close second's Call of Cthulhu. And I think what you're getting from Call of Cthulhu is sort of the genesis of what became Orion a couple years later. So I think they recorded Call of Cthulhu, were probably very happy with it, and probably learned some things and went, I wish we could have done this, and probably applied it to what became ultimately what I think is the best instrumental Metallica ever did. So if I were to rank them, if I had to, Orion, Call of Cthulhu. I mean, I think anesthesia pulling teeth is is more than just a solo, or oh, yeah. you know, or more more than just an instrumental. I mean, that thing is on its own pedestal, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. So there you have it. I mean, I think I, it's so tough to rank, but I I just think because Orion was like the perfect product, you can't rank it yeah. anything other than one. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree, I agree. I, I I love Call of Cthulhu, but you can't really say what you can say about Orion. I think Orion is truly beautiful. In, in certain portions, like, it's, it's, it, you know, it's just beyond wonderful certain sections. And there is, as a sentimental Metallica fan, there is this kind of cliff, you know, like, Orion is cliff to a certain extent, like, you know, it kind of, and you can't help but feel quite sad when you listen to it and quite nostalgic as well. But, um, you know, let's talk about the, the band more in general. I, I always ask this, I'm always interested. H- have you seen them live? I've seen Metallica live about a baker's dozen. Are oh you familiar with that term? Uh, is that 13 times? <laughs> 13, yeah, wow. 13. Lucky number 13 this past June at the Iowa Speedway here locally close by. Oh, mate, I mean, I, I appreciate it's hard to rack your brain, but can you give us a timeline roughly about your first time up to now? Well, yeah, the first one was very memorable. It was that uh, tour that they did with Guns N' Roses and oh. Faith No More. You, you uh, Sept- saw that show. That's crazy. I was there. September 1992. I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This was probably a month after Metall- after uh, James had that incident in Montreal where he got burned. Mm. So Metall- so James is actually not playing rhythm guitar at this show at the Metrodome in 92. It's John Marshall from, uh, why am I blanking on this? Merciful, no, not Merciful Fate. John Marshall, you know who I'm yeah, talking yeah, about, Yeah, the, right? the, the tech who played for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Metal Church, is it? Metal Church, that's Metal what I meant. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, John Marshall's up there playing rhythm guitar, but James is still singing. It's probably about a month after the Montreal incident, but uh, boy, to see. And Metallica, you'll be shocked to hear this, played before Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean... But yeah, uh, that, to give you an idea, that was my first show with Metallica, and from there, I mean, I any time they ever came to Minneapolis, I was trying to get to a show. I've seen them a handful of times here since I've been here in Iowa, and that's been almost 20 years, as I mentioned, so... Oh man, so I mean, yeah, so I'm guessing like you, you saw them on the low toys or something. Like, I'm so jealous, really, because like I got into the band relatively recently, and like you know to witness. It. What was the best show you've seen of them? Ah, uh, boy. 
let me think about that for just a second. And just I got sidetracked when you said that you're a relatively new fan, and I re- I was reminded of that. And Tom, can I just say you are so fortunate, so freaking fortunate to be a relatively new fan and be able to enjoy this whole back catalog of Metallica and not have to wait years and years and years like all of us old school fans did for a new. That's record. true. That's true. That's so true. There's that. But anyway, but the best show I ever saw from Metallica, it, you know, God, I mean, that Metallica, that show in, in Minneapolis in 92 mm-hmm. as a first show, it's so hard to, to, to say that there's anything better than that. But honestly, in 2017, Metallica is as good, as solid, as fast, as hard, as loud, and as technically proficient as they've ever been. So maybe it was this show that we had here in Iowa back in the month of June. I well, don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And, uh, you know, cra- crazy, crazy stuff. And um, I want to urge people as well, the, the, the interview you were speaking about, I remember you sent it me early on. And I did listen to it. How can people find that interview you did with the band, uh, the 10 years sort of thing? The 10 albums, yeah. sorry, yeah. Long story short, it's called Metallica in their words. It's a production that I put together first for the radio. So it had all these songs interspersed and all this production. And of course, due to licensing issues, I couldn't use that in a long form podcast type thing. So what I have is I piece together all the interview portions with me narrating, essentially. And there's no music, but it's about an hour and a half long. If you want to hear the entire story of Kill 'Em All to Hardwired to Self-Destruct, it's called Metallica in their words. Words, and you can find it through uh, on my page at laser1033.com. That's L-A-Z-E-R-1033.com. It's on. It's housed on SoundCloud, which I'm not sure how much longer that's going to be around, but it's there in case you want to search it there, Metallica, in their words. And then um, also, I, ha- I housed it on an RSS feed. I host a uh, fantasy football show here in central Iowa called 515 Fantasy Football, and I housed Metallica, in their words, the podcast form, on that RSS feed because it was the only one I had access to. So a fantasy football podcast with a Metallica thing thrown in there over the summer months, and that's how people can find it in a nutshell. All right, all right, awesome. And um, just before we uh, depart, a final question that I'm, I need to start asking every guest. I've asked a few, I sometimes forget. What, what is, in general, your favorite Metallica song? Do you have one? I don't know if I do. Uh, yeah. If I had to choose, I think if you I put a gun to my head, I'd say Disposable Heroes. Right. Okay, nice. Good choice, good choice, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's been brilliant talking to you. I mean, I, I can see on your Twitter as well, you've got lots of shows. Like, um, is there anything else you'd like to promote? That would be great. The Twitter feed's fantastic. Anybody ever wants to come friend me and find me there, I, I'm a huge interview guy at this radio station, uh, so I'm constantly posting content, uh, talking to musicians. Um, you can find a lot of archived stuff on my timeline as well. My uh, Twitter is at Andy Hall Radio. Um, I'm on Facebook, Andy Hall Radio. I'm on Instagram, Andy Hall Radio. Uh, you get the idea. I'm pretty much all over the place. All right, all right. Well, um, yeah, Andy, of course, thank you so much. And I want to thank everyone for listening as well. Please subscribe to the show. Leave us a comment on the video. What do you think of Call of Cthulhu? Do you love it as much as me and Andy? I'm pretty certain you you do. I, I can't imagine anyone that doesn't is enamored by this song. Um, we've got the Patreon, as I say. Um, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes. Do you want to come on the show? Do you want to review a, a, view a song? MetallicaPod at gmail.com. But, um, Andy, Andy, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for joining me. Listen, Tom, I love the podcast. It's a pleasure to be on with you. And I mean, I'll be listening to the bitter end, my friend. (laughs) Thank you very much.